Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Most of what we think we know about spies, we get from telly and films. But how they actually operate and the effect of their work is, for obvious reasons, rarely, if ever, revealed. I've come across cases where the security services have gone to great lengths to stop this kind of detail emerging. I've never come across a case where so much detail has emerged. In Northern Ireland, dissident Republican groups, those who believe that violence should be resumed until there is a united Ireland, have never gone away. A car bomb believed to be the work of the new IRA has exploded outside a courthouse in Northern Ireland. A video released by police shows a man pulling up in a stolen delivery van before running away, minutes before the blast. But when in 2019 a young journalist called Lyra McKee was shot during Republican rioting and killed, British authorities worked to disrupt the work of CRU, the name of the so-called political wing of the new IRA. There is a feeling that this has dealt a real hammer blow to the new IRA. It has really weakened not just its ability to go about the campaign of violence, but its morale, its commitment to it. A court case going on right now has revealed details of the undercover operation, from the mundane home the spy lived in to the ways he gathered evidence. Meetings are held in Airbnb properties. MI5 have recording devices, video and audio recording devices hidden in the properties. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, how MI5 infiltrated the new IRA. This is not one of those stories that you claim as a great exclusive or investigation, really. I'm following in the footsteps of some very good journalists in Northern Ireland. I would single out Alison Morris on the Belfast Telegraph in particular, people who have been going to lots of court hearings in Northern Ireland following this extraordinary case. Sean O'Neill is a senior writer at The Times. He recently returned to his native Northern Ireland to look into the fascinating story of the man who infiltrated the new IRA. 
I started by finding his last known address, which is in a place called Glengormley, which is a suburb just north of Belfast, following a, a maze of residential streets, one of those kind of 1980s developments that you find on the edge of big towns and cities, where there don't seem to be any shops, just cars, driveways, red brick houses. And at the end of this kind of spirally maze of houses, you come to a little kind of semicircled cul-de-sac of semi-detached red brick 1980s bungalows. Sounds about as nondescript as you could possibly get. But then if you're talking about stories of espionage or undercover operation, you don't want to stand out, do you? You want to blend in, you want to be unobtrusive. And this is one of the most unobtrusive places I've ever gone to on a story, knocking doors around, asking, does anybody know this man? And lots of people did or didn't know him or had vague recollections of him. But he's a very interesting man. He's a man called Dennis McFadden. McFadden lived in one of these bungalows with his wife, who's 14 years younger than him, and their son. To his neighbours, he presented himself as a hotel inspector. He said he travelled widely inspecting hotels up and down the country and around the world, so that explained his long absences <laughs> from home. Right, so as far as the neighbours were concerned, this was about as ordinary a person as you can imagine, except that he's not a guy who's on a daily commute. He's a guy who has absences, which were explained by yeah. the work that he has. What kind of man did they say he was? How did he come over to them? Everybody knows his story now, but one or two neighbours in particular, I managed to pull back and say, what was he like when he was mowing the lawn or washing the car or we were chatting over the garden fence. And the thing that stuck in my head was one guy who said he was over-friendly, a little bit too pleasant, too ready to engage, too ready to invite you around for a drink. He didn't seem to sort of respect his neighbour's privacy at all. He was always kind of leaning over the fence with a bottle of beer <laughs> or, or trying to entice them in to chat and drink. Sean, you and I both know that... Almost always what we're told when we go and follow a story like this is, here's a guy who liked to keep himself to himself. He was the opposite. <laughs> so here you have this friendly guy who's a hotel inspector and so on, always likes to have a drink, always likes to chat. And the thing is that we now know that he was a spy. Who was he spying for, did it turn out, and who was he spying on? Dennis McFadden was working for MI5. Now, what I haven't, I can't establish is, was he an MI5 officer or was he an informant, an agent, someone who was employed or persuaded to work for MI5? I think it's the latter, but this is the sort of subject on which an organisation like MI5 just reverts to neither confirm nor deny. McFadden was spying on and had infiltrated to a really significant degree, the kind of range of dissident Republican splinter groups. These are the breakaway groups that disagreed with Sinn Féin and the provisional IRA signing up to the 1998 Good Friday peace agreement. Some 10 or 15 years ago, maybe even longer, Dennis McFadden, who's a Glaswegian, appears on this scene and begins to attend political meetings, pain groups, miscarriage of justice campaigns. 
he gets involved in all sorts of fringe politics. Slowly he becomes a fixture. He just becomes part of the furniture. It's not until a wave of people are arrested in a big swoop that he is suddenly exposed as a spy, an infiltrator. So we have Dennis McFadden, the Glaswegian, living on this estate, acting as a hotel inspector to his neighbours. But to his political contacts, he is a sympathiser with dissident republicanism, people who believe that the armed strugglers, they called it, should never have stopped. Can you tell us a bit about the organisations that he infiltrated? He seems to have tried to infiltrate a whole range of organisations. There are even stories that at the beginning of his time in Northern Ireland, he was trying to join loyalist groups. Now, I haven't been able to verify that myself, but respected journalists have reported that. What I can tell you is that he certainly tried to become a member of a Sinn Féin constituency party in North Antrim. He then moved his attention to the dissident groups and there were a number of organisations that he turned up to meetings for and people who met him at this time have told me that he was always coming along to the meetings and he'd be asking but where are the other meetings where are the real meetings he wanted to get deeper into the organisation <laughs> and he became involved in a number of miscarriage of justice campaigns particularly around two men who have become known to their supporters as the Craig Avon Two, who are two members of the real IRA that had been convicted of the murder of police constable Stephen Carroll. Forensic experts examined the car in which constable Stephen Carroll was shot dead. For the first time in 11 years, police officers in Northern Ireland are mourning the death and investigating the murder of one of their own. So he was involved in the miscarriage of justice campaign for them around 2009. In 2016, McFadden emerges as a member of the national executive of a new political party called Siru. This is the public face of modern day dissidents. A legal political party known as Siru, Irish for liberation, who oppose Northern Ireland's peace process. Police say Siru are the political voice of the new IRA, with a significant overlap in the leadership of the two organisations. The new IRA is an organisation that's been formed out of sort of a coalition of even smaller splinter groups. But the new IRA wants to style itself as the successor to the IRA that fought the War of Independence in 1921 in Ireland, the IRA that fought in the Troubles. It claims to be the heir to that physical force tradition of Irish republicanism. But in reality, it's a very, very small organisation, probably at that stage no more than a few hundred members and supporters. But nevertheless, committed to the idea of an armed struggle to get the British out of Northern Ireland still. Very committed to the idea of armed struggle, doesn't really have access to a huge amount of weaponry, either arms or explosives. You can see from its history of what it has got involved in that there's been some very crude devices, but it really hits the headlines in April 2019. Then, April the 18th this year, rioting in the Cregan estate in Derry, one of this group's gunmen shot dead the journalist Lyra McKee, who was observing the violence. And that was the work of the new IRA. 
right, with whom uh, this organization were linked. Do we know anything about how McFadden was operating in these organizations and what people thought of him? He was described to me by one person who met him at a number of meetings as someone who was always there, but wasn't really there. He wasn't the guy who would be singing rebel songs or making passionate speeches or anything like this. He was kind of the administrator, the organiser. He very quickly, as a member of Siru, became a member of the national executive. He had access to the finances and he organised trips for senior people in Siru, the leadership group, to go to political conferences. Behind the scenes, this was also about trying to forge links with armed groups so that perhaps the new IRA, allegedly the new IRA, could obtain weapons by forging alliances internationally. Sean, before we get into a bit more detail about what he did and what they did and how it provided the authorities with evidence against them, can we just get a sense of how big a story this story of the arrests of these people has been in Northern Ireland, how important it might be? It's been really closely followed by the populace. The journalists tell me that it's the most clicked upon story. Some extraordinary details have emerged. One alleged senior member of the new IRA was taken on three Spanish holidays by McFadden with the purpose of loosening him up once he'd had a few drinks. McFadden also regularly bought tickets to Glasgow Celtic football matches for his associates and organised travel and trips for them. And as that detail has come out, people have been sort of reading almost open-mouthed what's been reported. There's something else that's remarkable about this story from a journalistic point of view, which is here we are having a conversation about an ongoing case at which in the rest of the country we simply wouldn't be able to do. Could you explain that? Well, this is a product of what is called the Diplock Courts. When you get security trials in Northern Ireland, terrorism-related trials, there is no jury. And that dates from the darkest days of the Northern Ireland Troubles, when juries were being intimidated or in fear of finding people guilty. So you have a judge-only trial, but the judge has to provide a detailed verdict and explanation of why he thinks people are guilty. That removes a lot of the kind of subjudice rules. We can't prejudice a jury by reporting on these cases. And you will experience it in GB huge restrictions and huge caution around what gets said about how MI5 operates, especially of undercover work. In this case, it seems to be pouring out in a kind of unfiltered, unrestricted way. And that, in many ways, to me, is one of the most extraordinary facets of this story. You are getting a window into the world of how an MI5 undercover operative functions almost on a day-to-day basis. Soon, McFadden's mission ramps up. That's in just a moment. I'm Katie Prescott, The Times' technology business editor, and my job is to get under the skin of the technology, telecoms and media industries for the paper and bring the views of their top executives to readers. I can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's now look at the scale of the operation itself and how it leads to charges. What evidence do we know McFadden gathered about these people that has now been heard in the pre-trial hearings or is being heard? So I think the turning point in his mission is the murder of Lara McKee. The 29-year-old was reporting on unrest in the city of Derry. The police have described the killing as a suspected terrorist incident linked to dissident Irish Republicans, the new IRA. From what I can glean, his mission kind of changes in nature at that point. There seems to become a much stronger focus not on gathering intelligence about the activities of the new IRA, but we move to gathering evidence. So we move from intelligence gathering to evidence gathering. Perhaps there is an order goes out to do this, but I think they're also exploiting the huge mood of revulsion there was in Northern Ireland, and particularly in Derry, where Ciru is strongest. The huge mood of revulsion over the murder of Lara McKee. There's community hostility. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of them anymore. No. And I'm not afraid to speak up. There is a change. You can feel a change in the city. Everybody is so angry. And they see our friend in a coffin. No. No more. No more. Just no more. What really changes there is in the past, you know, groups like Provisional IRA have been able to function because there has been a significant element of community support and sympathy. With the murder of Lara McKee, any sympathy there is for this group, and it would be small, virtually disappears. Now, the key evidence that McFadden gathers relates to two meetings in February and July of 2020. And McFadden organises these two meetings for what is alleged to be the leadership of the new IRA and allegedly calling itself the Army Council of the new IRA. 
And these meetings are held in Airbnb properties in rural parts of County Tyrone. McFadden books both properties. At both meetings, MI5 have recording devices, video and audio recording devices hidden in the properties. There is allegedly talk of people who've known each other for years suddenly appear at these meetings, introducing themselves by rank, such as chief of staff. There is allegedly talk of raising money internationally, of trying to buy weapons. There is allegedly talk of a plot to bomb Shannon Airport in the Irish Republic. The motivation for that being that Shannon is sometimes used by the US military and perhaps by attacking that airport they could curry favour with a Middle Eastern group that then might reward them with weapons. So essentially the evidence is of people verbally planning to do things which are uh, illegal. Mm -hmm. What it leads to is charges of preparing acts of terrorism, membership of a proscribed organisation and the most serious charge of all, of directing terrorism. That is the one that goes to the heart of the case. Ten people are arrested in August 2020. Nine of them are alleged to be the leadership of the new IRA, pinning the leadership of a terrorist organisation on those people. All of the accused deny all of the charges, and their defence lawyers are resisting the allegations vigorously. And... They constitute, therefore, all, what, virtually the entire leadership of this organisation? Pretty much. There are a couple of other people who haven't been arrested, who either were not at the meetings or unable to attend the meetings or whatever. So the organisation still exists, but the security assessment is that it is significantly weakened. It has recently claimed responsibility for an explosive attack in Northern Ireland, but there seems no doubt that it's ability to function is much diminished compared to what it was a year or two years ago. How has the prosecution forensically established that these were the people actually at the Airbnb meetings? Well, as I said, we're still at pre-trial stage, but we do know that what evidence there is, is the audio evidence, the video evidence, and I believe also a significant amount of DNA material because at the end of the meetings, at the end of the evenings, it was left to Dennis McFadden to clear up. And he was the guy who cleared up the glasses. And on all of those glasses and beer bottles and teacups, there will have been DNA. So that will have been used to prove the attendance of people at these meetings. And what's happened to McFadden since the operation? My immediate presumption is that his family is no longer in that house in Glengormley. Again, the neighbours were very fascinated about this. The house is unoccupied. The blinds are all drawn. The letterbox is stuffed with junk mail and pizza leaflets. The garden's overgrown. The bushes and shrubs at the front have become very unruly. The place looks completely unkempt. But basically, according to his neighbours, what happened was around about August 2020, when these arrests were being made, McFadden was away on one of his hotel inspection trips. Suddenly, quite late one evening, a black SUV arrives, you know, darkened windows. Wife and child 
leave with a couple of bags and disappear. A few days later, some men arrive and start taking electronics equipment out of the property. A short time after that, a removal van comes, takes away more furniture and equipment, and he just disappears. Nobody's seen or heard of him since. And the neighbours didn't actually get to talk to the people who were doing it and say, hoy, what's happening here? It's not that kind of place. Well, one of the neighbours tells me he did say to these guys who turned up a couple of days after the family had left, he tried to engage in the conversation about what's happening and they just studiously ignored him, didn't even make eye contact with him, <laughs> didn't respond to his questions. I assume now that Dennis McFadden and his wife and child will be living under MI5 protection. I'm certain they'll be under new identities, trying to build new lives, because we've learned over the years that not just has Irish republicanism been infiltrated repeatedly by informants, but the Republicans who feel aggrieved by this infiltration have been known to take their revenge on people. So there's a very, very poignant case of a man called Dennis Donaldson, who was a senior Sinn Féin leader, uh, who was exposed as an MI5 informant. The cottage in County Donegal, where Dennis Donaldson had fled after leaving Belfast in December, when he admitted he'd been on the payroll of the British intelligence services for 20 years. It was here this afternoon where he was found shot dead. I believe uh, Donaldson had refused the offer of witness protection. Hmm. I think Dennis McFadden will have been a bit more um, interested in self-preservation, especially because he has a wife and child. What do we know about the timetable from here, roughly? David, I wouldn't put any timetable on this. The Northern Ireland justice system is incredibly slow. I think that for the security agencies, that doesn't matter so much. The police would never say this. The prosecutors would never say this. But getting people that they suspect of directing terrorism off the streets compromising them, either keeping them in jail on remand or on strict bail conditions. If that weakens the organisations, then that's what they want. But in terms of the impact of this story, it's interesting talking to both sources in Northern Ireland and, shall we say, security sources. There is a, a very much a feeling that this has dealt a real hammer blow to the new IRA. It has really weakened not just its ability to go about the campaign of violence, but its morale, its commitment to it. A number of people who are on bail in this case have been required as condition of bail to renounce the armed struggle. And that has caused even further dissent and division within what are already diminished ranks of these organisations. There's an, an old saying, uh, Brendan Behan, the, the famous Dublin author, wrote that the first item on the agenda of any Irish Republican movement is the split. And uh. this particular case has caused split upon split. There are even splits within the prison group of the new IRA. What McFadden has achieved is quite, quite significant, I think, in security terms. Now, of course, we don't know, and we will not know, as you said, for a long time, what the results of this case is. But from the point of view of the ordinary citizen, just looking at it from the outside, this McFadden chap, however he's gone about it, he's a bit of a hero, isn't he? Well, he is. I mean, he's done remarkable work. 
And I think his handlers are probably extremely pleased with what he's done. But it's a remarkable story. I mean, it's either reckless courage or foolish bravado or all of the above. I mean, what he has done and how he has managed to stay kind of undercover for so long is extraordinary. But then if you look at the history of the Troubles, the IRA was riddled with informants. That's what brings the organization to a ceasefire as much as any skillful political activity. There were informants and information pouring out of cracks in that organization for many, many years. And this tradition continues with the, the splinter groups today. Um, and one absolutely final thing, Sean, because I just can imagine a listener listening to us talking here and saying, well, that's all very well, but aren't you all, you journalists, giving away what our security forces have to do in a way that will help the bad guys? What do we reply to that kind of objection? I've been mulling this one over because I've never come across a case where so much detail has emerged. I've come across cases where the security services have gone to great lengths to stop this kind of detail emerging. So I do wonder what they're thinking when they go about this. Do they think that they're giving away too much? Or do they think that they're creating an atmosphere of paranoia and kind of a sense of that the dissidents and other terrorist organizations, whatever their motivation, might think God, these guys have tentacles everywhere. Can you trust anyone in your own organization? Is there some kind of extra psychological trick being played here that undermines how secure these people feel about their own alleged terrorist cells? You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, senior writer at The Times, Sean O'Neill. You can read more of Sean's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer was Edward Drummond. The executive producers today were Kate Ford and James Shield. And sound design was by David Crackles. And if you can, please leave us a review. It'll help others to find us. See you tomorrow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.